This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Mars is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mars, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing and Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champion. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mars wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. is up hockey fans this is the golden edge podcast the podcast where the las vegas review journal talks about hockey and major off-season moves because the golden knights have made a significant addition to their franchise they've also had some significant departures we're gonna get to all that on this episode i am ben goats one of your golden knights uh review journal beat reporters on the other line is my colleague dave shane dave have you taken a breath yet in the past two days? Well, I came down from 4,700 feet of elevation. Uh, thought I was getting some good oxygen back here in Vegas. And then Kelly McCrimmon unloaded about like a lifetime's worth of news on us. So I talked to my dad, the dentist, took a few puffs of oxygen and, you know, we're good to go. Yeah, I shouldn't even say just the last two days. It's really going back to like the last week plus because, of course, the Knights had the NHL draft, which we covered uh, on the last podcast, they had that up at Bill Foley's ranch in Montana. Then free agency started Friday and then major dominoes started falling after that. Before we get to those dominoes, a quick reminder that this podcast is presented by indeed and favor drink Also, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, Dave and I each had a story on the website yesterday. We're each going to have a story on the website today, along with our columnist Ed Graney, I believe. Uh, there's a lot happening in terms of the Golden Rights Knights right now, and we have it all there at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, also, if you could please rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, do to this one. We would appreciate it. Uh, now, let's get down to business and talk about how the Golden Knights actually did it. They pulled it off. They have signed Alex Petrangelo to a seven-year, $61.6 million contract. That is an $8.8 million AAV for one of the best two-way defensemen in the NHL, Petrangelo, uh, who, of course, is coming from the St. Louis Blues. Uh, He is now the uh, fifth highest paid defenseman in the NHL. He is the second highest paid uh, Golden Knight. He, of course, had a long and storied career in St. Louis after being drafted fourth overall in 2008. 
Uh, he finished fourth in the Norris Trophy voting last season. He had a career high 16 goals. He's been a four-year captain, of course, captained them to the Stanley Cup in 2019. Uh, Dave, quite simply, is this guy that good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simply. I mean, and, and, and the, <laughs> quite simply, I mean, but, you know, there's a lot to it in, in terms of the need. Um, you know, certainly, I guess you could look on the right hand side and you could say Nate Schmidt prefers to play on the right and Shea Theodore has really played on the right for a while. But, you know, I think Pete DeBoer has a preference of having right shot defensemen on the right hand side of, you know, of the blue line and being able to kick guys over to maybe the left and having that versatility of their six guys. One of them, Zach Whitecloud was right handed. So I just think there was a little bit of maybe, you know, a hockey need and then especially just talking to him today. There's a confidence level, um, a leadership level, I think, that that's coming with him, character and all those sorts of things. So when you kind of think about the entire package and, and you ask, is this guy that good? Yeah. And, and Kelly McCrimmon said as much. He, he, Alex Petrangelo was the one guy that they would have made all of these moves for. And we'll talk about all the moves, you know, kind of, I guess, the cost, the collateral damage of signing him. But he was the only guy available that they would have done this for. And. Kudos to them for landing him. Yeah. Petrangelo obviously couldn't come to an agreement with the Blues uh, before free agency started. That kind of forced the Blues to pivot a little bit, and they signed Boston Bruins defenseman Tori Krug to a seven-year deal. And, you know, that kind of uh, put Petrangelo on the market, and the Knights were all too happy to kind of snatch him up. He visited, actually, Las Vegas on Saturday. He met with uh, Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, uh, Bill Foley He actually visited with the Stasny's despite the fact that, uh, as we'll get to in a little bit, uh, Paul Stasny has just been traded from the Golden Knights um, and the Stasny's raved about the organization, the city, how they were treated to Petrangelo. Petrangelo also talked about or talked to Coach Pete DeBoer and kind of how he would fit in the Knights system. Uh, and the answer was very well. He will fit very well into the system. Um, we kind of talked a lot about uh, during the postseason, how Shea Theodore was emerging as a top-end blue liner for the Knights. And he obviously was so impressed in the playoffs that he even caught Petrangelo's eye. But, you know, despite all that, Dave, do you still think Petrangelo and bringing him in as the kind of number one bedrock guy for this blue line was a strong move for the team? I think he's a difference maker. I think I thought his his comments about Shea Theodore were interesting. You mentioned him a little bit, but just, you know, also that he kind of takes pride as a guy who, you know, can help younger players and get better that he thinks he can mentor him a little bit and even, you know, continue to, you know, help in his development and things. And which I mean, you know, you have a guy who finished fourth for the Norris trophy and a guy who finished sixth. And if the guy who finished sixth continues to get better, I mean, you can't be a bad team. And I mean, we'll talk about this too. Yeah. Okay. There's some things down the middle and, and whatever, but if this is the blue line and, and let's just, just take it for what it is. If, if this is a blue line and there's not any other changes and whatever to get under the cap, cause they're still slightly over it. And I think they got to, you know, massage some things and maybe, you know, manage the roster and maybe a guy, you know, by the time the, you know, you have to get compliant. Maybe somebody needs to go on IR and it kind of just takes care of itself. But, you know, they're close enough now that you figure, okay, this is essentially 
you know, what you're working with. And so if you've just swapped out on the blue line, Alex Petrangelo for Nate Schmidt, and you ask me, are you better? And is it a strong addition for this team? Kind of has to be like, there's no other way to say it. I mean, you know, by salary cap, by Norse trophy voting, by almost any measure that you can come up with, Alex Petrangelo is, you know, a top five, if not for sure, a top 10 defenseman in this league. And you insert that and it's naturally going to improve you. I mean, I just think it's interesting. You go from year one where they talked about kind of wanting as many good players as they can get and doing it maybe not necessarily with like a giant salary type thing. And then somewhere along the way that shifted and they, they realized, you know what? No, you need that top end talent and they're willing to spend and they're willing to shuffle some pieces and do what they have to do to get that top end talent in. They did that with Mark Stone. That was a comparison Kelly McCrimmon made, you know, to this signing with, of Alex Petrangelo in terms of those guys don't become available very often. And so when they're available on the trade market, when they're available on the open market, the Knights have been the most aggressive team. And, you know, we can, the one thing to me, and we'll talk about this is the center depth. Because I think that's where the biggest question for me is going forward. And, and sort of, I guess, maybe where you've not created the hole, but you have to continue to get production. And you're going to ask different people to do that. And so that's maybe the biggest question as to, is it a strong addition? We'll see that in, in that regard. Yeah, no, it's it'd be an interesting question from an overall team building perspective, but it's almost just not worth talking about uh, if Petrangelo himself is kind of worth this contract, because as Kelly McCrimmon said, and I think you have to agree with him, like just guys like him don't become available that often. So you understand kind of wanting to move heaven and earth to try to get one of these guys. I think the comparison with Mark Stone is fascinating because that's obviously kind of the, you know, bedrock piece now of the Knights forward group. And a guy that we've obviously off speculated on this podcast is the front runner to be their captain and certainly Petrangelo, a Stanley cup winning captain is now a contender to be a key part of the Knights leadership group as well. I mean, Petrangelo is a guy who's had Norris votes in seven different seasons. He's finished top five for the Norris uh, three different times. I mean, he's really good. He is really, really good. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, the on ice impact specifically that he can have on this team. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, the Knights' aggressiveness to get this done, Dave, and it did come uh, with a cost, especially because you're, you know, giving a very significant contract out in a flat cap world. So, uh, you know, as we basically previously alluded to, the Knights traded Paul Stasny to the Winnipeg Jets on Friday, and then they traded Nate Schmidt to the Vancouver Canucks on Monday. Uh, the Schmidt trade was actually kind of the only reason the Petrangelo uh you know, deal got held up at least a little bit in terms of being made official on Monday afternoon, because the Knights actually did need to clear Schmidt's kind of uh, cap room in order to officially ink Petrangelo to his contract. Uh, the Knights did not exactly get back a uh, treasure trove for two guys that were, you know, very significant contributors in their time with the team. Stasny, obviously for two years, Schmidt all three years, uh, they got back a third and a fourth round pick in 2022. Um, we should also mention that not that this wasn't expected, but uh, Kelly McCrimmon basically confirmed Derek England was not going to be re-signed by the Knights. So with his departure and Schmidt leaving, uh, there are just 10 players 
from the night's kind of magical inaugural season still with the organization. Um, so it's interesting, Dave. So you mentioned kind of that hole down the middle. The Knights had to give up a lot in two kind of core pieces and Stasny and Schmidt to get back one major piece in Petrangelo. And I think, you know, that aggressiveness is kind of a fascinating philosophy because I think a lot of NHL teams wouldn't have done it and would have just kind of run it back with the same group that went to the Western Conference Final uh, this past postseason. You know, they would have just looked at the roster and said, hey, you know what? Disappointing ending, but we are really trending up towards the end of the season. And we think with a full year of Coach Pete DeBoer, Alec Martinez, Robin Leonard, that we're going to be really good again. So we're just going to kind of get cap compliant and, you know, like I said, run it back essentially. Instead, the Knights kind of ship out some key guys, bring in a different key guy, and, you know, like it or love it, it is kind of fascinating to see an NHL team operate this way. And I don't necessarily have a take on whether it's the right way or the wrong way to do it. It's just interesting because I think it's a little bit different than what a lot of other teams would do. Well, I think it speaks to Bill Foley and his, I guess, competitiveness and eagerness to try to win a Stanley Cup. Alex Petrangelo talked about that sort of in his interview process with the Knights as he sat down with them. And not only did they interview him to get to know him, but vice versa, he was the one interviewing them in some sense and trying to feel out, you know, look, we've heard, you know, these things and whatever, Bill Folia, but, you know, how competitive are you? What, what are you? what are you really willing to do here? And I think he's shown that. I think this organization, you know, has shown, you know, that, it's going to do what it has to do to try to win a Stanley cup. And like I talked about it, to me, the interesting shift is to go from what they went the first year into, I, I specifically remember this and I use the word socialist and kind of socialism with, with George McPhee. And he kind of playfully admonished me for, for, you know, using us, you know, the word socialist with a Canadian, which I always thought was funny, you know, but they've clearly gone away from that. And you have, you know, a $9.5 million cap hit with, Mark Stone, and you have an 8.8 million with Alex Petrangelo. You've got two at seven now with Mark Andre Fleury, who we'll get to. Max uh, Pacioretty. You know, you're you you're basically saying, you know, the high end talent. We maybe weren't able to draft it. We weren't able to finish in the top five of the draft because we were too good. And that's where you get that talent. And so some of the stuff that that you know about the first, you know, finding a center and are they strong enough down the middle. You know, can Cody Glass step up and produce, you know, essentially what Paul Stasny did? And does that become a wash? Can Chandler Stevenson continue to produce, you know, wherever he is down the middle? And, you know, Tomas Nosek, can they get a little bit more out of Nicholas Waugh as he gets older? And then if that's the case and then goals aren't a problem, you know, then, yeah, in theory, you're getting more from your blue line and you're a better team. But I just think in general, it speaks to their aggressiveness and it speaks to what they think it takes to win a Stanley Cup. And, and that's a lot of high-end talent. And they've been willing to go out and get it. No, they definitely have been aggressive and kind of uh, going after what they want. Um, and you know, before we move on, I do want to talk about at least briefly the consequences that that can have as well. Um, you know, Brian Burke, who is a Sportsnet commentator, um, XGM, mentioned, you know, after Paul Stasny got traded that, you know, basically he thought the Knights might be building 
a reputation as a team that's going to, you know, basically uh, let guys go or not let guys kind of feel secure in their contracts. And there were certainly rumblings when, you know, it wasn't just Schmidt's name that was out there as the Knights were kind of courting Petrangelo. There was plenty of other players like uh, Alec Martinez, Jonathan Marcheseau, and Max Pacioretty uh, that were floated as contracts that could potentially be moved to uh, create that uh, cap space for Petrangelo. Uh, we also just listened, uh, Dave and I, to a Zoom conference call that Schmidt did. And she was clearly like super emotional about leaving the Knights. And that's a guy that uh, signed a six-year extension in 2018, obviously with the feeling that he would be staying with the organization for the length of that contract. Now, you know, it is ultimately a business and things sometimes just don't kind of go as planned. Kelly McCrimmon even mentioned that I did not want to trade Nate Schmidt except in one particular circumstance. And that particular circumstance had to be, you know, getting back basically a number one defenseman, which they feel Alex Petrangelo is. Um, but I guess, what do you think about, you know, does this impact the Knights kind of, I guess, feeling around the league at all, Dave? Are you, do you think that players are going to be a little bit more gun shy about committing here or just, you know, going to have a little bit more hurt feelings with, how they're treated here because, you know, they are being ruthless. And as we've kind of talked about, in some ways, it's very admirable that they are willing to do whatever it takes, you know, to try to improve this team or do what they think is going to get this organization closer to a Stanley Cup. But you are still dealing with human beings here. And I think, you know, there is an emotional cost that goes with all this, too. Okay, so I was the one that asked the question. So I feel like I have to bring this up. In... Nate Schmidt's Zoom call with the media, I asked him about just George McPhee and kind of his relationship with George. And sort of in 20 years, you know, how are you going to kind of be able to look back and, you know, see him in, in a role in, in your life as, you know, as a hockey player and a professional? Personally, maybe too. I was expecting a little bit more of a uh, paternal kind of answer and, and sort of George was a father figure and, and, that sort of thing. And that was not what Nate Schmidt said. Let's be very frank here. Nate Schmidt basically said like he hadn't heard squat from George McPhee and it really hurt because George McPhee was somebody that signed him in Washington, you know, out of the university of Minnesota drafted him in the expansion draft was there for him when he got suspended last year for the performance enhancing drugs, uh, positive test. And then gave him a month later the six-year contract that you mentioned. So to not hear from George McPhee when you get traded seems very strange to me. Very cold. And I guess I'll use the word a little bit ruthless. Um, and in a negative way. I've used that term before, I guess, almost uh, a little bit admirably. I, I've, I've been a little bit of, of a proponent of their ability to kind of take some emotion out of some decisions and to look at it as a business and to understand that a lot of this is a job and it's a, it's they're professionals. Uh, so yeah, I, there, there's a fine line. Like you said, there's a fine line between understanding all of that and that everybody is a little bit expendable and that the cliche, even Wayne Gretzky has been traded is always pertinent. But again, I still think there's a matter of, you know, how do you treat people? And, and so 
you know, you hear how well they treated people with, you know, other guys. And, and I'm not going to say that they didn't, you know, you, you heard Alex Petrangelo raving about it. You've heard other people raving about the organization, how well they're treated, you know, in this case. And, and I don't know everything, but clearly Nate Schmidt was not happy about how it all happened. He said before the trade was official that he hadn't heard anything. There wasn't any rumblings. I'm not sure I believe that, but that he didn't know about it, that maybe the, the Knights didn't give him a heads up, didn't give his agent a heads up or something. I don't know how it all shook down in terms of behind the scenes. I haven't been able to talk to anybody and, and you know, maybe here find out. We'll see. But I find it interesting. And, and I guess if enough people start talking about it, perception becomes reality. And whether that's, you know, Russian players and and supposedly you know, whatever happened with Shapachev and, you know, allegedly, you know, Gusev, I don't think he was unhappy, but, you know, people trying to make it out like, well, Russian players don't want to come to Vegas. And, you know, now if you have this, I, you know, we'll see. I guess winning cures all. And if you win a Stanley Cup, you know, then they can, you know, turn around and say, well, if you don't like it, you know, well, then we'll find people that that do. And, We'll find people that want to win. Clearly, Alex Petrangelo, one of the things that he seemed to enjoy was their competitiveness. And so, you know, going forward, if they continue to make tough decisions and their treatment of people, I guess, becomes an issue, then, you know, it's certainly something that, that we'll have to monitor. But again, I, I do think, like you said, you, you walk the fine line here of understanding that one, it's a business, you know, but that too, that people are involved in this as well. And, you know, it's it's more than just a player. There's families and, you know, children and, and lives really kind of all involved in the state. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back, and we may not be together at the game, but we can still get in on the action together at home. Put your football knowledge to the test with the Contour Pick'em game from our friends at Cox. Place your picks, climb the leaderboard, and come back each week for your shot at the grand prize. Just say football picks into your Cox Contour remote to play or visit them at cox.com slash pick'em. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. 
you know, to be clear, I mean, it's a really tricky dance even to, you know, try to criticize the Knights here because on one hand, as you mentioned, they clearly Nate Schmidt is a little hurt by how things were handled. On the other hand, you can understand, especially in today's day and age. And we even saw this when the stone trade happened in terms of terms of Oscar Lindbergh, sometimes stuff is kind of flying too fast. And obviously the Knights were juggling a lot of balls last night in terms of trying to finalize that trade. And then also trying to, you know, finalize a, you know, really hefty contract with Alex Petrangelo, where you could understand, you know, maybe they just couldn't get to Nate Schmidt by the time that, you know, uh, it was Pierre Lebrun of TSN and the athletic that uh, broke the Petrangelo news. And so maybe there's kind of leaks getting out on social media before the Knights are really ready to address it with him. Like I said, Oscar Lindbergh had to learn from teammates uh, that he was traded in the Mark Stone deal because the Knights were, I think, on the phone trying to you know make that trade officially official. And then obviously they were working with a contract extension at the time with Stone and his representatives as well. So you know sometimes things get difficult. Um, it's worth pointing out that you know just because those kind of incidents have happened, like I said, Paul Stasny still you know hasn't really publicly complained about the trade since he was traded on Friday. As I kind of previously mentioned, the Petrangelos uh, actually visited Stasny and his wife uh, in Las Vegas when they were uh, here on their visit on Saturday. And Stasny had nothing but good things to say. I mean, we've seen even in previous trades, the Knights have tried to do right by players in terms of trading Brad Hunt back to Minnesota. When uh, he was not receiving a lot of playing time here, they obviously approached Derek England about a trade when he was not playing uh, at the uh, trade deadline this year around the trade deadline, he had been replaced by Zach Whitecloud. Um, and even, you know, recently we saw Brandon Peary get traded back to Chicago where he started his NHL career and has kind of an off season home. So, you know, they have tried to kind of put those human touches on things. I think just sometimes it can be a little bit difficult and you can understand how feelings get hurt in the process. That's not to excuse their behavior, especially since I think a lot of fans are pretty broken up about, you know, such a kind of outgoing gregarious person as Schmidt uh, getting pushed out. But that's sometimes also, you know, what has to happen in this day and age age. Lastly, one thing I want to talk about before we wrap it up here is the other huge piece of news that Kelly McCrimmon just happened to kind of, drop into that uh, Alex Petrangelo press conference. Uh, the first one is Robin Leonard is having a cleanup procedure on his shoulder this week to take care of a nagging injury. He is expected to be ready for training camp, and he was actively tweeting about it last night, including one tweet he sent your direction, Dave. So I don't think it's anything too serious. Uh, but the bigger thing is that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be a golden knight next season. Uh, McCrimmon said the team is not trading him and they're going to enter next season with a Leonard Fleury tandem, uh, which is going to be the second most expensive pairing in the league at $12 million against the cap. Uh, so now that that, you know, which is another huge domino has fallen into place uh, this offseason, Dave, how much do you think them having the Leonard Fleury one-two punch in net is by choice? And how much uh, is it them kind of pulling an audible after trying to trade Flurry, realizing it was going to be really difficult and pivoting to the Stasny and Schmidt route instead. It's probably like that 
quarterback that's like, oh, that's totally what I meant to do. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's maybe a little bit of both. Like you could kind of sell it either way. Um, I think without ever saying, yes, we were trying to trade him, like Kelly McCrimmon basically acknowledged as much as he ever will that they were trying to trade him. They talked about, you know, different possibilities and we looked at different things. Like they were clearly shopping him. They were trying to move him. I mean, everything pointed to it because his agent sent out sent out a tweet with a sword through his back and they signed Robin Leonard to a, you know, a five-year, $25 million extension. And then basically the goalie market kind of worked out the way it did. And I don't think anybody was willing to take on the full seven you know, million dollar cap hit for the next few years and they couldn't find a third team. And really ultimately, I think the Knights said, you know what, we're not willing to, you know, mortgage the rest of our future and franchise just to like try to do this. We'll work it out. And I guess behind the scenes, at least in terms of what Kelly McCrimmon said, there wasn't a whole lot to work out. I know in my interview with Bill Foley, he said the players were pretty much, you know, joking about it right afterward that Jonathan Marcheseau said, Something to, to Marc-Andre Fleury about. Does this mean you're on IR now and you can't play? Which is like the most Jonathan Marcheseau thing I've ever heard. I can absolutely picture him saying that. And probably in French too, to be quite honest. But if the player's okay, okay with it, and really the only issue is that, and I don't know if there is at this point, but if the only issue is the, the Knights front office maybe has an issue with Alan Walsh and they're not getting along with him, and maybe that means that they don't take on any of his clients going forward, and maybe they figure out something after this season, then, you know, okay. The the feeling I got not only from talking to Bill Foley, but I think also it's trickled down to Kelly McCrimmon and just throughout the whole organization is that they feel like next year is going to be a condensed year again, and it's going to be unique again, and that if they go into it and they if they have all these problems and they can just suck it up for a short season and say, you know what, we're going to have the best goaltending tandem in the league because they might be paying slightly less than what the Montreal Canadians are for Carey Price and Jake Allen. But I might take Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury over them, especially if they're healthy and have time to, you know, get ready for, you know, a short season. And if they're able to split those, that time up, and keep everybody happy, they could be formidable because now, like, again, now we're talking about you've added Alex Petrangelo to it and maybe Cody Glass provides just enough offense and Chandler Steven, all these sorts of things that you, that we've talked about. And then you add a goaltending mix to the, to the matter, you know, you've taken a big piece away from the team that was arguably at least last year led the, conference in points up until the pause in St. Louis, they've now lost their captain. You've added that. So, I mean, if you've made the Western conference final and you, you think you're a better team and now you have the goaltending to go with it. So it's, it's a pretty formidable, uh, pretty formidable, formidable team that they're putting out there against, you know, opposition and it, it's going to create a lot of problems. Yeah, definitely. And I think as you know, you specifically pointed out there that goaltending tandem could be a problem for a lot of opposing teams, just because, you know, it could work really well for both guys where Leonard, you know, as we talked about in a previous podcast has only played a, more than 50 games, I believe once in his career. So having a guy to spell him could be important. And one could certainly argue that flurry has been overused in his first three seasons with the golden Knights. So perhaps having a reduced workload would not be the worst thing uh, for him to do either. 
And then uh, quickly, before we move on to a little one last question before we wrap up, let's actually hear from Golden Knights owner, Bill Foley, talking to Dave about Marc-Andre Fleury. Well, I love having the two G1 goalies like we have them. And if, we, if we're playing, we've been talking about it in these meetings. If we're playing four nights out of seven nights, we need two good goalies. It's going to be important because the season's going to be abbreviated. It'll probably be a 56-game season or maybe even a 48-game season. So if we don't start till February 1st and they're trying to get, they got to kind of get the playoffs going and, and done with because the Olympics will be starting in July. So they, we can't be going till September this coming year. Uh, I, I, I mean, I've, I've been a proponent in, in the background because it's really, it's George and Kelly's decision. Von Carpenter, the, uh, our, our director of scouting, they're the guys that they make the, they make the calls. I, I give them some input, but my input was, boy, if we can afford it, why don't we keep two G1 goalies and give ourselves some real protection? Because someone's going to get hurt. And if you have two, two great goalies, then you're sort of in pretty good shape. So we'll see how it works out. I'm, I'm hopeful that we, we can keep both guys. So that was Golden Knights owner Bill Foley talking about kind of his preference at the time to retain Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, since that interview happened, it has become official that the team is going to hang on to him for next season. Uh, the Golden Knights are not officially done in the offseason. As Dave mentioned, they are about uh, you know a little bit less than $1 million still over the salary cap. So there is some move potentially still coming before next season opens up, but it could be a minor move. You know, we're not expecting major surgery on the roster at this point. Um, so you alluded to this day of kind of before we uh, got to the Foley quote, uh, you know, about how you feel about this night's roster. I mean, overall, from the start of the offseason to now, do you feel... Uh, more confident, less confident, or the same about the Knights' Stanley Cup chances now that they have added, you know, a, a top-end blue liner in Alex Petrangelo, but subtracted guys like, you know, Paul Stasny, uh, Nate Schmidt, Nick Cousins, etc. So this is just me, my own opinion, because I tend to think about things a little oddly. So on paper, in terms of the hockey aspect of it, I feel more confident overall. I feel less because I just question whether all the chemistry is going to work. I just think you've got a lot of different elements all of a sudden in a locker room. I think if you had gotten rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, I would really, really, really have some major question marks. I, I think they can keep it together. And I think, especially after hearing Alex Petrangelo, not that I didn't know, but just his personality and him being such a willing leader and taking pride in that and the way that he talked about sort of wanting to mentor Shea Theodore. And, you know, he seems so comfortable in his own skin as a guy who can walk into a, a new locker room and be a leader. And I think maybe that'll be a key element, but I just question some of the, the chemistry things and, and what are you all kind of putting together here? I still feel like there's, you know, some, some things and some culture that were established from the start that are maybe getting pushed to the fringe a little bit. And then you've got some new elements that, that are trying to come in and, and, you know, let's be frank. I mean, they're high priced, you know, high end talent that you're kind of trying to buy a Stanley cup. 
And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like we talked about, you're trying to be aggressive and you need to spend and, and talent costs money. So it's not like you can do it for 65 million and, you know, skate around the, the floor of the, the salary cap and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't work. I get that. But I just, I just wonder about the chemistry, I guess. Maybe that's going to be my biggest question going forward about this whole kind of experiment. No, I mean, it's certainly something interesting to wonder about. I mean, like I said, it's probably recency biased because we just got off the call, but, you know, hearing from Nate Schmidt and how much he loved Las Vegas and loved being a Golden Knight, I think it's going to be tough for the team not to have him in that locker room. I mean, you even think it kind of sounds silly, but like he was in charge of their fun committee in the bubble. He's the guy that could raise everyone's spirits uh, during tough times. And so it'll be interesting to see how they navigate next season without him. But what I think is certainly interesting about this off season, you know, it's, it's, I think you can feel happy and positive about it. If you're a Knights fan that they added a guy who's, you know, such a, like I said previously, you know, top end defenseman at Alex Petrangelo, they kept Marc-Andre Fleury, which gives them a certainly formidable goaltending tandem. Uh, but as I kind of mentioned, you know, way earlier in the podcast, I think they were going to be a really good team, even if they didn't do that, if they ran it back with, uh, you know, just saying, we're going to see what happens if we have, you know, DeBoer, Martinez, Leonard for a full season. I think they would have been the favorites in the Pacific division then too. I still think they are. I still think, uh, they are one of the probably two favorites in the Western conference. I probably liked Colorado just as much coming into the off season. I might still favor Colorado even more now after they added uh, Brandon Saad to their second line and they added Devon Taze to their blue line. I mean, that's a team that looks like it's going to be an absolute force next season. And they certainly <laughs> won season as well, except for the fact that they got hurt at exactly the wrong time in the second round. Uh, but it certainly appears that those two teams are, are on a collision course. And I think that could be, a fascinating matchup next postseason. Uh, was there something you want to say, Dave? Oh, I was just going to say, like, I mean, what was, what's etched on the, or embroidered on the new gold jersey? What's Foley's motto? Always advance, never retreat. And and I know one of the things I heard up at the uh, the ranch, and, you know, Kelly McCrimmon likes to say, I think, behind closed doors, that uh, they're in the winning business. And so I think, you know, to to do what you're talking about and kind of stay content, and, and kind of run it back. They, they felt like maybe that's not their job. Their job is to con- continue to try to improve and, and, you know, move forward, advance and, and not just sort of stay still. And, and I think, you know, behind closed doors, Kelly McCrimmon, we can say whatever we want about the center position, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, can Cody glass do this? Can this guy do, you know, I, I think they are very pleased with what they were able to do. This offseason, I think they had a vision, probably mapped it out and were able to get it done. So, you know, we can question what's going to happen in the chemistry and all that. But their job and their mandate, I guess, was to continue to advance and move forward and improve. And, and th- that's that's what they felt needed to be done. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, I just think that's a fascinating kind of overall organizational philosophy. And it's one that we don't see in the NHL really from a lot of other teams. So it's cool that, uh, you know, we get to write about 
a team that thinks like that. And you can, as I mentioned previously, find all our coverage at reviewjournal.com. Also, if you guys could please rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. A reminder that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Indeed and Favor. Drinkafavor.com. I'm Ben Goats. That was Dave Shane. And we will talk to you guys again real soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.